Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. So here we are, week three, week three of On It, and the purpose of this series is to revisit our core values here at DCC. I knew that coming out of Easter, it was going to be important for us as a church family, as a church body, to all be on the same page and for us to refocus on our, on our values here at DCC. For those of you that are newer, it's good for you to realize what we value around here, what you're getting into, right? And, and then for those of us that have been around here for a while, it's a great reminder reminder of, of the four D's of destiny, discovery, giving people an opportunity to discover a relationship with Jesus, dependence, teaching believers to depend on each other and build relationships that last for eternity, development, developing and growing in God's word and finally direction, finding God's direction for your life and where he wants you to serve his kingdom. The first week, Pastor Andrew spoke about owning your faith. Um, there's a difference between a renter's mentality and an owner's mentality. And, and he told us that it's important for us to own our faith and, and not to live off of borrowed faith. The second week, he challenged us to own our relationships. What a wonderful sermon that was, as, as he told you that we are created in God's image and that God longs for relationships and we too are hardwired for relationships. And in our quest for unity, we have to realize that there's a real enemy that is fighting against the unity among the believers. And the proof of our relationship with Christ is how we love one another. This, this matters right here. How we love one another and how we extend grace to each other. And when we do that, we preserve unity. And so week one was about owning our faith. Week two was about owning our relationships. And today is about owning our maturity, specifically our spiritual maturity. The term own it can have a number of meanings. I don't know about you, but there's moments when filling out a credit application that I get a little confused because there will be this question there that says, do you own or rent your house? It's a very confusing question. It's a trick question to me because Mandy and I do not rent our house, nor do I feel like I own my house because there's this, this mortgage company called SunTrust Mortgage and I believe that they own more of my house than I do. And the proof of that is you can pay all of the payments, get down to the final payment of your house, and you just start skipping that payment for a number of months, and they're going to show you how much they own your house. So it's a trick question to me. Do I, do I check own or rent my house because I don't feel like I qualify for either one? And, and I'm longing for that day that I actually own my house, the day when my house is paid for. But as of right now, I do not feel like I own my house. I do, however, own my Jeep. I do. I hold the title to my Jeep so I can do what I want to with my Jeep. I can sell my Jeep for a much cheaper price than what the going price is for if I want to. I can give my Jeep away if I want to. I'm not going to, but I could if I wanted to. So don't come to me submitting your name and saying, hey, I want to get in line to receive your Jeep. I'm not going to give it away, but I could. You understand that, right? The term own it also can mean that you take responsibility for something. Like if you make a mistake, and you own it. You take the responsibility for that mistake. Imagine with me, if you will, that there's a family that's riding down the road in the family car. The dad is driving. The mom is sitting over in the passenger seat and she's reading a book. The, the sister's in the back seat and she's watching a movie on her iPad with her headphones. And, and the young son is sitting there playing a video game. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, 
a smell overtakes the car. You know what has happened. Someone has, how can I word this? Someone has passed gas. Okay? And nobody wants to say anything because everyone knows the smeller's the feller, right? Everyone knows. So no one wants to say anything. No one wants to bring it up. But finally, Junior in the back seat, he can't take it anymore. And he's like, gross. Who did that? Who farted? You know, there it is. There it is. Only at DCC will you hear that. Only. And after a number of accusations and finger pointing around the car, dad, who hasn't said a word yet, develops this little smirk on his face and he's driving down the road and suddenly he raises his hand admitting that he was the one, that he's the one that passed the gas. He owned it in that moment, right? When it comes to spiritual maturity, no one can take responsibility for your spiritual maturity except for you. And I'm afraid with this consumer mentality that we've developed around the, the, the modern church is that we expect someone else to put spiritual maturity in us and it's not the way that it works. For many people, when they come to their walk with, with God, they prefer to check the box of salvation, but they refuse to go in deeper in their faith. And so it begs me to ask these questions. Is, is the purpose of a relationship with Christ just to save us from hell? Or is the purpose of a relationship with Christ to become more like him? Is that what the purpose of a relationship with Christ really is? Is it to become more like Jesus Christ? Uh, and, and just transparency today and, and total honesty, I'll tell you in every church and in every pastor's ministry, there is this moment when someone will say, I am not being spiritually fed anymore. I've heard it in my ministry. When I was younger in my ministry, it used to be something that would haunt me. When someone would look at me and say, I'm not being spiritually fed anymore. And, and what that means is I'm leaving this church because you don't do it for me anymore. That's what it means. And it's a statement that can cut a pastor to the core. And the truth is, there is absolutely nothing that is scriptural about that statement. In 1 Peter 2 and 2, Peter says, like newborn infants... Long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. He says, long for the pure spiritual milk because that's where you grow up into salvation. Understand this, church. We need spiritual milk in order for us to obtain salvation. Without spiritual milk, you don't, get, you don't gain salvation because the, the, the knowledge of salvation is not intuitive. As I've taught you before, someone has to share that knowledge with you. And, and so we need spiritual milk to obtain salvation. And if you are part of a church that doesn't offer milk for salvation, then you are part of a church that doesn't care for the loss. Thank you for that one amen. If you're part of a church that doesn't offer milk for salvation, then you are part of a church that does not care for the loss. And if you are too mature as a believer for the loss, which body are you a part of? Because it's not the body of Christ. But understand that the journey doesn't stop there. The journey doesn't stop with spiritual milk for salvation. That's where it begins. The journey starts there. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 2, he says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, 
for you were not ready for it, and even now you are not yet ready. But then the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, he says, For though by this time, get this, this is convicting. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. He's saying by now you should know enough of the word of God that you could be sharing it and teaching it. He said you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Think about it. Think about it. A newborn baby has to be fed by someone else in order for them to grow, in order for them to mature physically. But as they get older, that newborn baby gets older and they learn to feed themselves. When, when Mandy and I, when, when, when the twins were born and, and, and they were just young, it was usually, you know, dual coverage. Mandy would feed one and I would feed the other unless she was home by herself. And then she was just this amazing mom that was able to take care of twins, you know, two kids at the same time. But I remember those times when we would go out to eat at restaurants and Mandy would have one of the, the kids on her side of the table. Maybe she would have Kendall on her side and I'd have, you know, little Caleb on the other side and, and she would feed Kendall and I would feed Caleb. And, and sometimes people would stop by the table and people we didn't even know, just strangers. And they would, they would just make over. They were like, look at you guys tag teaming. This is fantastic. And I was like, how else are we supposed to do this? You know? Now, those kids are 20 years old. Can you imagine you walking by my family in a restaurant, Kendall sitting on Mandy's side of the table, Caleb sitting on my side of the table, and, and we're cutting up their, their hamburgers for them, and we're cutting up their pizza, and we're twirling the spaghetti, and we're feeding it to them at 20 years. It's not as cute anymore, is it? It's weird, right? It's just strange. If you were to see us doing that, you would think that we had absolutely lost our minds because at 20 years old, it is their responsibility to feed themselves. And in the same way, I am not responsible for your spiritual growth. That's exactly what you came to church today to hear from your pastor, right? Yeah. I am not responsible for your spiritual growth. Pastor Andrew, Pastor Scott, they are not responsible for your spiritual growth. I can only be responsible for my spiritual growth. That's it. I might can point you in some directions, but I can't feed you. At some point, you must feed yourself. I can only be responsible for my spiritual growth and you are responsible for yours. And expecting someone to grow you spiritually is like, is like expecting them to eat their vegetables, but you get the nutrients from it. It's crazy, right? And as you grow up in Christ, you learn to feed yourself and digest the word of God on your own. But don't blame spiritual leadership for your spiritual malnourishment because you are as close to God as you want to be. Learn to own your spiritual maturity. I, I expected about three amens and I got them. You know, in life, in life, we can measure many things. Maybe, maybe you're these parents 
that, that you started measuring your kids. You know, maybe there's like a wall or a door frame in your house. And there's nothing wrong with that. We've just lived too many places. We've moved too often for that to happen. We would have to tear door frames out and take them with us. And, and, but maybe, maybe you've done that because you can measure how much they grow from one year to the next. So, you know, you line them up on that door frame and you, you put a little line right there and you write the date by it. The next year they, they come up and you put another little line and the kids are always amazed. Look how much I've grown. I've grown that much in a year. And as parents, we're like, yeah, but wait till you start growing this much. You know, you're going to grow wider, not taller. It's going to happen. In academics, we have grades and we have test scores to measure intellectual maturity and development. And in sports, we have stats and we have records to measure athletic improvement. In business, we have performance and profitability. And, 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 but how, how, when it gets down to it, how do you measure spiritual maturity? I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19 I want to read verses 16 through 22. And I'm going to share an instance out of the Bible, out of the life of Christ, that um, I, I feel like I've, I've taught on recently. But with just some new insight today, I want to share this with you and show you someone who had an opportunity to grow, someone who had an opportunity to mature in Christ, but walked away from that opportunity. Matthew 19 Verse 16, and behold, a man came up to him saying, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. Now, is that what Jesus is really telling him there? Is he saying, if you keep the commandments, if you keep the Ten Commandments, then, then you get to go to heaven. Now, for those of us that know that, that salvation is not works-based, we're a little confused with that statement right there. What is, what is Jesus saying? Because we know that you just, you know, just keeping the commandments, you don't gain eternal life from that. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we know there has to be that relationship there. What's Jesus doing? What's he getting to here? He said to him, which ones? Which commandments? Like, Jesus, point out to me which commandments I need to keep. And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess. And give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Spiritual maturity is composed of three things. The first thing is intimacy with God. No one in this room can can doubt that you can grow spiritually from spending time with God. If you can set aside time in your busy schedule to actually commune with the Heavenly Father and, and spend some time praying and worship Him, even away from church, if you can spend some time just, just in intimacy with God, it's going to grow you spiritually. And the, the second one is biblical knowledge. We all understand that, that man does not live by bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so we need God's word in our lives in order for us to grow. So we need biblical knowledge. And the third would be an obedient lifestyle. 
an obedient lifestyle, when the Holy Spirit speaks to your life and says, go, do, then, then you are obedient to that and you go and you do. But understand, church, <clears throat> excuse me, understand that these three things must be interwoven together because they are not separate from one another. You can't have one without having the others. To be mature in Christ, you must be in constant development of these three things working together. And having just one of these things does not mean that you are spiritually mature. Because you can obtain biblical knowledge and still not be spiritually mature. How many people have I run across in my life being raised in a pastor's home and then going into ministry? I have been around a lot of church people in my life. A lot of people that know God's word yet from the fruit of their life you realize that they are not spiritually mature. This young man that came up to Jesus, he knew the Bible. We know this, that he was a wealthy Jewish man. How do you know that he was Jewish? Because he knew the Old Testament. And if he was Roman, he would not have concentrated on learning the law of Moses. So I know he was a wealthy Jewish man, probably taught at the synagogue at a young age. And he was well rehearsed in the commandments of God. But just because you know the Bible does not make you mature in Christ. You can memorize the Bible from the, the marriages and birth pages in the beginning of your Bible all the way to the maps in the end of your Bible. But it does not make you spiritually mature because understand, even the devil knows the Bible. In your Bible, the devil quotes the Bible. He quotes the Old Testament to Jesus whenever he's tempting him. Satan knows the Bible, so don't tell me that you're spiritually mature just because you know the Bible. However, understand in order to be spiritually mature, you need to have biblical knowledge. It's interesting to me that Jesus, in a very nice way, tells this young man that he's not perfect. Listen to verse 21. He said, if, if you would be perfect, say perfect. If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor. Does this mean that we can't gain eternal life without selling everything and giving it to the poor? Is that what Jesus is saying to him? Of course not. Now, Jesus is, is, is working some intellectual mind games with this guy. He's getting to, to the root of the problem. He's getting to the heart of the matter here as he's, as he's putting some information into this guy and having him answer some questions back to him. You see, the word perfect here is probably not the best translation, but that's how, how, how we translated it into English. The Greek word that's used here is teleos, and teleos means to be complete or mature to be complete or mature it's the same word that James uses in chapter 3 verse 2 when he says indeed we all make many mistakes for if we could control our tongues we would be perfect if we could control our tongues we would be mature if we could control our tongues we would be mature in Christ don't point to anybody but you've met people like that right you've met people that that they could be maturing Christ if they learned to shut their mouths, right? But did you notice this? Did you notice that Jesus did not list all 10 of the commandments? Did anybody else notice that? Anybody else in the room? Yeah. There's like seven of us that are brilliant. He didn't list 
All Ten Commandments, when, the, when, the, when he said, you know, listen, you've got to keep the commandments, and, and, and here's the ones that you have to keep. It kind of reminds me of that scene from uh, the, the History of the World Part One, where, where Mel Brooks was playing. I played this on a Wednesday night recently, and, and, and Mel Brooks is playing Moses, and he, he walks down from the mountaintop carrying three stone tablets, and he says, the Lord Jehovah has given unto you these 15, these 10 commandments, you know. Is that what happened to Christ? Did he, did he have this brain freeze moment where all of a sudden he couldn't remember the other four commandments and so he just spits out the six that he knows? Is that what happened? But notice that he only mentions the six commandments that deal with man's relationship to man. You know that's how the commandments are listed, right? The first four are man's relationship to God. The last six are man's relationship to man. In order for the vertical to be right, the horizontal has to be right. And apparently the horizontal was not right in this man's life. He was a, a good Sabbath keeper and he, he, he loved God. The problem was apparently that this man just didn't love people. It's hard to be mature in Christ if you don't love people. I had that problem when I first started off in ministry 20 plus years ago. Mandy will tell you, I didn't love people. I loved getting up and teaching God's word, but I didn't love people. And I would often say, ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> this man's wealth, it was keeping him from being spiritually mature. That's what Jesus was getting to. And he shares six commandments with him that deal with man's relationship to man. And he's saying, this is your problem. Money has consumed your life. I, I, I can't imagine how this young man was raised. We know that he probably inherited this money or came from a family of money because he is a young, rich ruler. And so, you know, he, he, he's a young, rich Jewish man that, that probably just didn't earn a penny and he's just rolling in the money. And Jesus says, this is your problem. You know, he knew the Bible. He was close enough to Christ that he could approach him and have a conversation with him. But he could not obey what Jesus was asking him to do. And you can't have one without having all three working in order to be spiritually mature. Spiritual maturity is not measured by how loud you pray, but by how far you will walk in obedience to God. That's how you measure spiritual maturity. Trust me, wealth is not what's keeping me from being spiritually mature. Can anybody relate in the room? It, wealth is not my problem. Is that your problem? Now, if you don't raise your hand right now, I'm going to take an offering for the building fund, and we're going to build that building debt-free. Is wealth your problem? If it's not your problem, raise your hand. Okay, wealth is not what's keeping us, right? For most of us, wealth is not what's keeping us from being spiritually mature. This, that was this young man's problem. He didn't love people because of his money. But all of us in the room, we can agree. We've got at least that one area of our lives that keeps us from being complete, mature, spiritually mature in Christ. We've all got that one area. Some of you are looking at me like, no, pastor, I've got many areas. I'm just a mess. Well, you're in the right place because we're all a mess. But we've all got that focus. We know there's, there's, there's a spotlight. It says this is the area that you need to grow in. I'm praying the Holy Spirit is revealing that to you right now. I know he, in just preparation for this, he began revealing to me, Rocky, here's where you need to grow. 
Here's where you're incomplete. Here's where you need to be made perfect. Here's where you need to gain maturity in your life. And chances are that once you get that one area fixed, the Holy Spirit's going to reveal another area to you. Because we're constantly being made in the image of Christ. We're becoming more and more like him. I like how Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. He said, when I was a child, he said, I spoke like a child. He said, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Some of us can learn from that. It's cute to speak like a child when you're a child, but when you're an adult, and when you are a Christian adult, and you don't speak like a mature Christian adult, and you're speaking like a child, there's a problem. Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. Where's your mind at? Have you grown? Have you matured in Christ in the way that you think? He said, I reasoned like a child. That means I, I fixed situations and problems like a child when I was a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And so I stopped trying to figure things out on my own. And I started letting the, the Holy Spirit of God work out some details in my life. And I became spirit-led in my life. You see, we have to grow. We have to become mature and complete in Christ. Because maturity is engaging in behavior that is appropriate for the stage of life that you are in. Uh, it's it's kind of like this. A, a four-year-old is mature when he or she does everything that a four-year-old is supposed to do, right? But don't expect a four-year-old to do everything the way a 12-year-old does it and then say that they're immature because they're not. If he or she does the things that four-year-olds are capable of, then they're mature. If they don't do what four-year-olds are capable of, then they're immature. There was this man that was consumed with work. And every night he would bring his, his laptop bag home and he would eat a quick dinner and he'd sit down at his, at, 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 in his chair and he would start working on his laptop. And then the family would go to bed and he'd work for another hour or so and then he would put his laptop in his bag and he would go set it by the door. And so one morning in a hurry, he grabs his coffee, he grabs his keys and he rushes out the door. And a little two-year-old runs up to the mommy and says, Daddy forgot his diaper bag. <laughs> What's your diaper bag look like? What's keeping you from being spiritually mature because it's time for you to own it? I want to ask you some personal questions as I close this out. Are you more mature in Christ now than when you first came to Christ? Paul told Timothy, he says, let your spiritual maturity be evident to everyone who's watching. Let them see you growing in Christ. Are you spiritually mature now? Are you more spiritually mature now than you were last year at this time? No one can mature for you. You've got to own it. And you've got to find intimacy with God. 
You've got to gain biblical knowledge. And then you've got to be willing to move when he says move. Step out on faith and, and be obedient. When the Holy Spirit says, this is your assignment. The reason why some of us just don't have any spiritual assignments is simply because we're not tuned in to God. And that's his longing. That's his desire for us. He, he, he has a mission every day for your life. He has a mission every day for my life. There's somebody that he, he is requiring us to touch their life with the love of Christ. But so many times we're just not spiritually in tune. We're not mature enough to receive that message from heaven. And nobody can own that but you. It's tough, isn't it? I don't know if we want our pastor to go back to Israel anytime soon. He comes back stepping on toes. No. It steps on my toes. Nobody can own my spiritual maturity except for me. And nobody can own yours except for you. And you can choose to walk out of this room today and do nothing about it. And you'll be in the same place spiritually next year this time that you are right now. But that's not a walk with Christ. That's standing still and Him leaving you behind. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.